0: True.
1: Bingo.
2: You are now listening to the fact.
1: welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm Jewel Schmitz, accompanied by James Jackson and Jake Galley. This past weekend in sports, everyone, the U.S. men's soccer loses 3-0 to Venezuela ahead of the Gold Cup. The Jets hire Eagles VP of player personnel Joe Douglas as their GM. Carson Wentz was given a four-year, $128 million extension. Woo! David Ortiz was shot in his home country of the Dominican Republic, and Antoine Griezmann is now headed to Barcelona. Here's a fact straight at you. The Warriors became the 38th team in NBA history that trailed 3-1 under the current playoff structure to win game five on the road. Of the previous 37 teams, only three teams, the 1968 Celtics, the 1995 Rockets, and the 2016 Cavs Mm -hmm. went on to win the series. (laughs) Can the Warriors become the fourth? I like the little mm mm-hmm when she said 2016 (laughs) Cavs because we know
0: why because we know who was spearheading that one. Well, I'll refrain from going on a LeBron rant. Um, today, nice, I don't know. Like, can can the Warriors be
2: the fourth? Do you well, actually foresee them? I, you know what? I series? don't because they've given and obviously now we'll talk about the Durant injury mm-hmm. in a little bit. That that's a huge hit. But even without Durant, they've given the Warriors their biggest punch, their, their their biggest counter. And even in those games that they've won, especially this last one, Game Five, the Raptors had a chance to win. The Raptors really probably should have won that game, and right. they let that one get away from them. Uh, but going forward now, without Durant, now at least you know he's not going to be coming back. I mean, we'll we'll see if they obviously if they take this one in Oracle coming up, it totally flips and anything can happen in Game Seven. But. I don't know. I kind of expect Toronto to come out and take care of business.
0: I do, but I will say this, that the Raptors probably have the most pressure upon them than the Warriors do. The Warriors are going back home, and just like you said, if the Raptors don't win Game 6 in Oracle, it's anybody's series then for Game 7. And it was weird um, like how Game 5 really ran. I mean, the Warriors outscored the Raptors, by 36 points from behind the three-point line. And that's how they get it done. And even still then, even still dominating from the three-point line, they still barely won the game. And like you said, probably shouldn't. Um, and it, it, you can't hinge that on Durant's torn Achilles because that happened in the first quarter, and the rest was – Steph and the crew getting it
1: done. Right. I mean, again, if you're a Warriors fan, how happy can you really be right now after that right. win with that somber ending to the game? Yeah. He, he was great when he was out there in Achilles. We just got word that he got surgery on the Achilles. Yeah, Bless up. Um, changes. You hate to see that. I don't care what sport you're playing. Uh, That casts a shadow over the whole night. It's a strange vibe after it happened, I think, mm-hmm. for both sides of oh, it. Oh,
2: real strange. But I,
1: I don't think anyone necessarily is needed to be blamed here. It happened... In a game, right? Like I, I've heard throughout the media the entire week that, oh, you know what? Like his medical staff was pushing him. Oh, like you know he wanted to play. If you're an athlete, that's in your DNA. And, you want to yeah, get out you there wanna, and you play, And
2: play. I saw Richard Sherman was was saying that there's a, been a, a ton of athletes who have came out and defended Kevin Durant. Like, look,
0: right, Richard Sherman played on a Tony Kelly's. Right, he's not
2: going to get, but he's the one of the best players on earth. There's no one who's telling him, Kevin, you have to play, especially with the situation coming up this offseason, Also, something we'll get to a little later. But Durant came out and he had a decent first 11 little stick. Quick, 11 yeah. Quick points. Yeah, eleven quick ones uh, in that game. Also, without Durant, Steph thirty-one, eight and seven. Clay also followed up with twenty-six, six and four. Both of the Splash Brothers really, really pitching in, and they had to. Uh, uh, the, the game was really, and 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 we say this a lot, is that it feels like a tipping point. Yeah, it does. It really feels like a tipping point. And, like, we were watching the game together. I we're noted Warriors haters when he was playing, when they were playing LeBron. And I, this entire series, have been rooting for the Warriors. Yeah, I
0: can't believe you said what you, what you said. And what I,
2: I wanted them to win the game. I did. I, I je- and I for a couple reasons.
0: Words that were uttered at this I
2: mean, look, look, first off, it gives us more basketball to talk about. Got to love that. Second off, it makes it an interesting series. Now that Durant's hurt, I mean, I think my feelings change on it a little mm-hmm. bit. But you're right. This is and, – and late in the game, we saw it. Uh, Steph, when he hit that deep three-pointer, it zoomed into Serge Ibaka. Like, just
0: – Head go to hand. He knew. <laughs> He's he seen had a, this before. He had a
2: That's So Raven flashback to <laughs> to them coming back 3-1 on <laughs> He's him. He's
0: seen this before. Um, Because when – and it's it's the Warriors just need a little bit of spark. They need just something to, to, to cling on to and to hang on to. And they really, like, found it in game five, especially going back home. Like, I think they really feel that – they can close it, or not close it out, but they can win in Game 6, and then, I mean, they're going to feel as comfortable as anybody going to a winner-take-all in Game Six.
1: I think it's definitely a shift in momentum now that the injury happened. I think the Warriors and Oracle in itself will be up and roaring for Game 6, just mm-hmm. for the fact that, you know, we talk about Kevin Durant in the past. He's a people pleaser, right? He's thin-skinned when people are talking about him. He's the most and,
0: insecure superstar Right, and
1: not to mention he wanted to get out there. And it, it's, it's one of those things where... Okay, we we've been talking about max contracts for him if he's going to leave. Do we even think he's going to leave now after what just happened?
0: I, I can I can <sighs> really tough. I can really see him cuz he's got that player option. I can really see him opting in. And now that does three things for him. But, one, he can he can rest on you know, he can rest on that Achilles and not have to try to go carry a team. Um he goes back to a for sure fire championship contender, not trying to have to do it on his own. And if he wants to, he could probably sit out the rest of next season and collect $31 million yeah, from his to couch. Go the DeMarcus like, Cousins yeah, uh, route. From his couch. But what what I really have to talk about, I know the point has been belabored in pretty much every sports media outlet, but when we are watching it, Jake, you can attest to this. I said this real time. That Nick Nurse timeout was, and still is, baffling. Now, I get that under the three-minute mark he had two full timeouts that he was going to lose if he didn't use them. But – at the, at the point, to put context around it, at that point, they had come off four straight Kawhi possessions of a bucket, which ultimately culminated in 10 straight points. And before that, Steph missed a wide open three, bricked a wide open three to where they got the rebound. So they had all the momentum there from Nick Nurse, I'm gonna have to trade those timeouts for the momentum because guess what? Now Kawhi, one of the best ISO players in the league, comes back
2: hot and probably gets you a fifth straight bucket. Here's right? a, here's my only problem with this, is that what are we talking about if out of that timeout, clearly he draws up a play and and what my counter was like Right, you call a timeout to make your knockout play. That was, like, the idea. Right. Guess who else gets the game plan in that same time? Uh, Steve Kerr and the Warriors. Probably
0: yeah. the best coach out of a timeout in the league next to Yep, the
2: so, I mean, but what are we saying about Nick Nurse if they come out of that and they get a wide-open 3 Like, it really comes down to the players executing. If they were to execute the play that he did, and maybe the Warriors did a good job of defending, I haven't really dug into that out-of-timeout play, but... If they go and hit a big shot, we're talking about something totally different where Nick Nurse is this calculated guy who stopped the game because he saw something, oh, yeah, he got a wide-open shot for them and it ended up winning them the finals. Instead now, of course, they miss and then... Steph and Clay go do what on, they do,
0: and and the Raptors also go on a three-minute stretch with no bucket and don't get a bucket until the Kyle or the Fred Van Fleet layup with what twenty-nine seconds. Left I think it was shot. Lowry
2: got. Well, it got it wasn't. It didn't even go in. Yeah, it right, got it, it got, got goaltending.
0: Goaltending bucket, and the Warriors went three for three after that, and of course, three straight threes ended up being the dagger and the nail on the coffin just for that to, game.
1: Exactly, just to attest to what you're saying, I understand why he thought to do it. His guys were guests, didn't want to waste a timeout. But he messed up because, like, why would you kill that momentum that they right. already had? He wanted to regroup. Okay, cool. Over, but all over, the plays he and shot overthought
0: that, it. He overthought the,
1: it. A thousand percent because all the plays that followed were completely flawed. Mm-hmm. And he lost control of the game after yeah. that. Right.
0: So. And another player who we were probably starting to key on and who's had an up-and-down finals is one DeMarcus Cousins, Boogie, who pretty much played well until the last three minutes of the game. He had 14 and six in 20 minutes and two goaltends, and then put the moving screen call at the end of the game, which was what I thought was going to really hurt the Warriors and allow the Raptors to win. Yeah, that was that that looked like it was
2: it was the end right there. That was
0: really cringy, but the Raptors really killed him by forcing him to switch on. Kyle, uh, Kawhi or Lowry. Like, they really sought out that matchup of who he was on, put him in a high screen and roll, and he's too slow right now. He doesn't have his NBA legs up under him, and he wasn't able to guard that, and he became a liability on defense. And
2: we're going to see, you mentioned that it's kind of been back and forth with him, and he's been someone who, is someone who's keyed in on the Raptors, obviously, with his lack of mobility mm-hmm. have keyed in on him, but his level of play is going to determine, and it's funny because, Really, he thought he was going to coast to a ring. Right now, he, he, he ends up hard. being arguably one of the most important pieces for Golden State going forward. I think Draymond has to step up to. If you remember back in 2016, Game Seven of the Finals, he had 32 points, 15 rebounds. Like they need that Draymond, that I don't know. Draymond. I
0: don't know if that Draymond was here because I mean, you got to remember he had went through a stretch in the playoffs where he was over 16 from three. Yeah. he's not able to stretch the floor right now. He's not able to provide them at Draymond's best in those. 2015 and 2016 teams Draymond was a fourth option from the three-point line A guy you probably couldn't leave open open Or he would probably make you pay And he's not that right now I think the best that they can get from Draymond Is what they're getting And that's that 10-10-10 and 10, Which is still very productive Well, and He's still an important puzzle piece though, right?
1: You still need Emotionally, that...
0: he's the most important piece on the team Exactly right. yeah, He's the most important piece on the team
2: well, And he did, obviously, make that big play At the end of the game Kyle Lowry had a chance to win the game with a three-point jump shot in the corner that ended up hitting the side of the backboard, uh, but it was deflected by, DeMarc, er, by Draymond Green, rather, and that's what he does best. We all know that we can get that out, him. you can rely on him on the defensive end, but you're right, on the offensive end, he's kind of been lacking.
0: I mean, and someone who's struggled on the offensive end for the Raptors, especially when you talk about the three-point line, is Danny Green. Another person up and down, had a crazy game, uh, game two, or game three, and hasn't had... Much sense. So he went 0 for 4 uh, in game 5 from 3. Um, and the Raptors as a whole were like 3 for 18 on quote-unquote wide-open threes with the closest defender 6 feet away. And they're just struggling from the 3-point line. Siakam's had a struggle too. Right,
2: I was about to say not to mention Siakam has missed his last 12 3-point attempts. He's a guy who was shooting in the mid-40s when it comes to uh, the corner Especially 3 corner, below well. the break, which he got a couple wide-open looks and was just bricking them. Like, And that's what it kind of comes down to is of the ancillary players who aren't Kawhi, who aren't Steph. Yeah. Who of those guys can perform better? And that's that, you look throughout the entire playoffs, that's what playoff basketball is about. Yeah.
1: Well, you want to talk about playoff basketball and ancillary players, let's talk about some ancillary fans here. I know this, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here, but I do think it's important to address the booing that was going on with the Kevin Durant Yeah, that's,
0: that's uber corny. Um, that's the corniest thing I've ever seen. Age, okay,
1: movie. so to me, it was a quick, poor, but natural decision. Because when you are in a setting like that. You've got alcohol in your system. You've got people pushing you next to you. you you're yeah, you're no, so no. invested in the yeah. team. They overstepped, and then I think they backpedaled when they realized the severity of the situation. They, they
2: backpedaled when the players Thank told you. them to stop. Thank you.
1: They
0: didn't realize anything. if the play, if the And not even just the players, the Raptors players. If Kyle Lowry and company didn't motion to, yeah. the, to the crowd to told them to stop, right. I think they would have kept going. Like, if, especially if the words we are don't know that though.
1: Up. we don't know that
0: look it's it's what I what I attribute it to is a fan base and a team who has never been in this I mean, spot I personally before. would never do it I would right. never condone that I don't I don't, I don't I'm just I'm not gonna put that on any one fan base and say like oh that's a blah 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 right. type fan base to do I don't think any fan base should actually do that or would in a right mind do that but it's a fan base that has never been in this type line like before and they're like the little kid Playing with their older brothers at the park, they're just so happy to be there. They're right. so overcome with emotion. Life. They, yeah, they they really are, and you can't downplay the alcohol and the system, right? Until it causes your inhibitions
2: to uh, go. Like here, here's what I'll say: is that Toronto and Canadians they get off a lot of times because right, they're a typical Canadian. Oh, they're so nice, they're so. Don't forget Toronto and the ALDS also against the Rangers. I forget what year, but it was an ugly scene. 2015, 2015, 2015 was was throwing stuff on the field. It, it was just a bad scene there. Uh, not Toronto, but also Canada. After the Canucks lost, they had um, like essentially a riot in Vancouver because they lost the Stanley Cup. Uh, and and to me, like it's not surprising. You're right, Joe. It's it's a natural reaction. You're. In the moment, and it's a very momentous... Again, I'm not
1: saying it's a right reaction, but it's definitely a natural what, reaction.
2: What I'll say is, and this is obviously, it digs at me a little bit as a Philadelphia fan, which the narrative is, you know, oh, Philadelphia fans are so bad, they're so ruthless, they're so mean, and they're, they're, they're really exceptional in that, in that no one else really does that. That's not true. Clearly, clearly, with every other fan base, there are idiotic fans who will boo a player when he's down, true. who will throw stuff onto the field. True. The, and I'm not saying Philadelphia doesn't deserve some flack for that. It happens here. It does. But when that
0: more than it does other
2: when races. that happens, it is not oh some Raptor fans oh some Sixers fans were booing. It's right. Philadelphia fans boo so and so. Where what I see the headline a lot of the times will be oh yeah some Raptor fans were booing right. Kevin and Durant. Look, no,
0: Jake, I know I get your eagerness to try to get that label off of philadelphia sports fans i do i really i really do understand it and i know i'm probably gonna catch some flack my way for saying this but when you one it's for the raptors fans or for raptors fans in particular it was first time offenders for philly sports fans it's repeat offenders and i do truly think for philly sports fans it's a loud majority instead of a loud minority who does it Want to know why? there's probably more people who do it in philly than don't
1: and and this is why more people do it in philly because in Philly, we feed off of each other. We feed off each other. It's like a domino effect. We get hype off of our hypeness, off of our more hype, because mm-hmm. that's just how we are in the Northeast. She's we're hype-y. We are. hype, back, so you we're hype hear it or not. we are we are hype beasts. And that's just, you know what? That's just how our culture is. I'm not saying, again, it's everybody, but go ahead and say what you need to say.
2: Well, whatever. I, I've been at. I'm an Eagles season ticket holder. I can tell you that it's not the majority of fans. Zero people but
1: were arrested after
2: we won the Super Bowl. Zero people were arrested after we won the Super Bowl. That's not the point I want to make. I don't you know. Know why. A lot of
1: other things happened after I... the Super Bowl, too. Yeah, I was yeah. on
0: Broad Street. Do you, so. you want to know? You can be happy.
2: There's By the way, yeah. Yeah, you remember when that awning came down? Uh, My roommate was on top of that awning. Want to know where he's from? He's from New York, okay? So maybe we could uh, stop uh, giving Philadelphia. Right. That's whatever. That's not enough. my point. My point is... I don't know why they're first-time offenders because they're a loser franchise okay exactly. you don't get anywhere and then the first time that you do get somewhere you make a mockery of he's your franchise yeah, it's right, ridiculous it.
0: I will close. double down on that and say Toronto fans be better than that I get that he's Kevin Durant is on the opposition right. and on the opposing side but I wouldn't wish something like that upon my worst enemy and to be fair Kevin Durant is pretty close <laughs> to that sphere so I wouldn't you you want to be able to beat a team at their at their highest at their best and if you're rooting for someone to get hurt that's just the most trash thing of all time. Um, right. We'll go We'll go back to things on the
1: court. Yeah, I mean, and I started that conversation, so I'm going to put an end. <laughs> to <But laughs> okay, Let's look ahead to game six. And um, by looking ahead to game six, I think we need to analyze game three and four a little bit. A little so, bit. Right. Yeah, those are the um, other games obviously, Toronto well. at that point with going into game three was leading two to one. Um, They had the 123rd. Or Whoa. 123 over 109. The Raptors ended up winning that in Golden State. What do we think about
0: that? I mean, it's the last game at Oracle, so like I, that, that's why I say that the Warriors are going to pull out all the stops, and I really I have a hard time seeing the Warriors not um, not win it. Uh, but if you look at I think someone who's going to be a key for the Raptors is going to be Pascal Siakam because look at this. In, in the three wins, he's sitting on 23, 23 and seven with a 66 true shooting percentage, which is pretty good. And the two losses in this series. 12, 6, and three point five on a thirty four percent true shooting true shooting percentage. Pascal
1: Siakam really impressed me this game. He's was attacking in the post, kind of faded a little later in the game, but being a young player, I thought he went up against Livingston and Iguodala in the post really well. Yeah, this well, game.
0: he's bigger. Really well. He's especially against strong Livingston. You got to attack that that height matchup and that and that prowess matchup and go in the corner. And what was good was in the beginning of the game when they had Kevin Durant on him. Kevin Durant is slow. That leg is slow. Attack him, and he did.
2: Well, and in game three, uh, which is the 123-109 victory for Toronto, Siakam, where he really shined, was distributing the ball as well. He had Mm -hmm. 18 points, nine rebounds. But the six assists is huge because, as you said, when he's attacking downhill, it's now not just Kawhi that you have to close out and, and, and send help defense. You now have... Kawhi posted somewhere, mm-hmm. and with Siakam drawing the defense in, that only opens up. I mean, that's to, you know basic basketball, but when it's not just Kawhi Leonard. We've seen right. him laboring through what looks like a quad. I don't even know if it's really that injured anymore, but it's clear, he's clearly not 100% on laboring. that leg. Right. And, I mean, the more the more workload you can take off him, the better.
0: I mean, you got to make the Warriors work on defense. You cannot allow Steph Curry to hide on defense and not exert energy or Klay Thompson because then that's when they come back at you in the offensive end. And not really just Siakam sharing the ball, but the Raptors as a whole. It's what really worked for them in their three wins. Uh, or in their two wins this series at Oracle, is they're, they assisted on 68% of their made baskets. So when they when the ball is moving, kind of like the Warriors brand of basketball, when the ball is moving and ever-flowing, um, that's what is really working for the Raptors. You can't allow just one player um, to get it going, and they've really toned down the iso plays with Kawhi. Well,
1: speaking of Steph Curry, he had a career high of 47 points this game. Right. And he made some ridiculous shots. Enough.
0: It literally almost wasn't enough. That was... Insane. Um, and look, he's – Jake. You hit it on the nose. He's got to get more help, and I just – I don't know if, if, if he's going to get that, and it's really got to come from players not named Clay Thompson or Draymond Green. Um, they're going to have to find – that's why I think you said it, Boogie's going to become one of the most pivotal um, players in this series now. His matchup with Gasol is even more amplified.
2: Right, yeah, and you talk about Siakam and how his – uh, the difference he makes in their wins versus losses, looking at that through the same lens for DeMarcus Cousins in their two wins, he's averaging 12.5 points, 8 rebounds, and 3.5 and assists on mm-hmm. 64% true shooting compared to the three losses. 4.3 points, 2.3 rebounds, 1.7 assists. That's why like, he has to be the guy. Because all the other Golden State Warriors who are stars like Clay and Draymond and Steph, they've all been hitting on their on all cylinders for pretty much all all, all the games. Right. Demarcus Cousins is the one variable who, when he's going and he's playing well, he can be a star. Obviously, we've, we've seen what Demarcus Cousins can do. He's a superstar when he's healthy. Yeah, but
1: he goes in spurts, right? But it's, it's, it's well, and, and that's
2: a shame sparts. because we talk about the Achilles injury. It's something that he battled Harry through, Harkis and then obviously the quad. A quad. quad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I, yeah. I'm I'm personally amazed. That he was able to work back and is now playing big minutes in mm-hmm. this series. I thought when he held that quad, uh, was it against Portland or the Rockets? I, I, against
1: the
2: Clippers. I, against the Clippers. Oh, first excuse series. me, right? Yeah, <laughs> wow. It's like the second game all of the, the way back in, yeah, right? Game the and final. he and he was able to work back. I thought he was done. Well, so. I mean,
1: you you mentioned Draymond Green. We we're talking about him a little earlier. I thought Draymond and Iguodala both did a really good job of kind of trapping Kawhi at multiple points in the game, and they were both hitting a few threes here and there. And the
0: biggest trap came with. Klay uh, Clay Thompson and eagle doll at the very end of the game. And I think it's hilarious that's something that we can talk about that's hilarious at the end of game five is people almost getting on Kawhi for not taking a bad shot. For not oh That's well, when you know not, you've made it, right? Yeah, you're not Kobe. You're not Michael, because you didn't go and force a bad shot in a double right. team. No. Kobe would have shot the, it. Kawhi made the <laughs> right play and then Fred Van Vliet made the right play of getting it to the corner. Right,
2: Lowry if he if he with no hesitation gets that ball to Lowry and he puts it up like, that's the best shot you're going to get. Yeah. Like, I, I, it flashes back to, I forget the specific game, but when LeBron kicks it out to, to Corver, Corver. Yeah, And, Corver I misses, mean, it, right. it's the right play. It's just how, how the ball falls kind of is how the narrative is drawn up. And Kyle Lowry, obviously, it got blocked, but it, it was another Kyle Lowry slander game after that because yeah. there wasn't immediately the which, Draymond block which, coming out.
0: Which sucked because it overshadowed a pretty good game from Kyle Lowry. And then...
2: I feel bad for him. He's someone who I feel bad for.
1: You were clowning him the one episode. I mean, just Kawhi in general, I mean, he, he has his moments where he can be clowns. So, let's right. like, like take true. that into account. But just, like, going back to Kawhi, he had 30 points this game. He was 9 for 17 shooting. Got to the free throw 11 times. What interests me the most about Kawhi, the fact that he's he's emotionless um, after the games, Robot. during the games. Me, uh, James and I were just watching his post-game, or uh, – pre-game, I should say, uh, going into game six, thoughts on KD's injury. And he just – he doesn't show – I almost couldn't get through watching I, it. I mean, it was, was tough to watch. Yeah. But what I will say is after this game, he kind of said, we still have more games to play. Mm-hmm. This this was kind of like, okay, we did what we needed to do. Let's get in and out. On to the next. Right. It, I and, mean, I,
0: and I like that mentality. He's got a short memory, and you got to have that being the story. You can't get hung up on it's, – it's funny because – He's surrounded by a fan base, a city, a country that gets, like, hung up on stuff. Right. And he's he's the ultimate, you know, we got to let it go and move on. I mean, after they won game four, I mean, you saw a bunch of clips of the Raptors walking to the locker room, not one smile, not one clap, not one cheer. I called it the Kawhi effect. He's really had that kind of effect on the rest of the team. It's like, look, we still got more games to play. Did we win the series? No. Yeah. Did we Did, we, did we do what we needed to do? No. I mean, you saw the clip of, remember Norman Powell trying to give Kawhi
2: the fist bump, the fist bump it was at time
1: And Kawhi just didn't get, did we win game?
2: Right. No. Norman getting no, no fist bump. No fist bump, bump administered. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, right. Moving on to game four, though, it's you know, going into that game, clearly the Warriors still aren't the same team without KD. Um, Steph and Claire
0: really having – Like historic series, whether people want to admit it or not. Uh, Steph is right now on 32, 5, and 5 on 60% true shooting percentage, and Clay is shooting 57%. On the three-point line at eight eight point seven attempts per game, that's vintage Clay. But they're going to need people who aren't named Steph Clay, Draymond, and Boogie to help them, like they have in so many past championship runs. They're going to need their role players to step up in these last two games.
1: Right. And Clay, Clay was hitting every three he possibly had the opportunity to in the third quarter, and obviously the fourth quarter. Steph was hitting amazing shots. Right.
2: And, and speaking of Steph, you talk about thirty-two point four points and sixty point seven true shooting in the finals, which he's doing. The only play Players to match or exceed that are 92 MJ, 2 Shaq, 17 Durant, 17 LeBron, 18 LeBron, and then now Steph Curry this year. So, I, I will say, Steph had some fair criticism on him coming into this postseason. And for the most part, he has dispelled that. Like, Durant being out, obviously we've talked about it uh, ad nauseum. There's so many uh, times that people have tried and uh, to say oh, they're better without Durant. I don't think they're necessarily better. We, we've talked about it. They're not better without yeah, Durant. Right. Curry is better without Durant. Right. And that's yeah. all he needed to prove is that, hey, look, I'm still that two-time MVP that I was before KD but, got here.
0: But is it all that he needed to prove? Like, he, he will put 47 points at a loss. Like, yes, he may be better without Kevin Durant, but is he still able to carry a team to a finals victory by himself, and he, it just looks like he's not able well,
2: to Well, I mean, whatever. LeBron didn't really get any flack for not being able to do it despite putting up monster numbers. I'd say that that falls under the same category of what Curry is doing right now. Uh, I I don't think that he – I'm not going to try and compare him to the player and the, and the impact because LeBron is also dominant on the defensive end, which Steph is not. Right. But at least in this series, like – Steph has not missed a beat. I mean, he has been the guy for Golden State like he's had to be.
0: I mean, his impact on a, on a game and a series speaks for itself. Even the fact that you, you change your whole defensive mindset just to guard Steph Curry. They went in a box and won two different times just to guard Steph Curry. They will blitz him off every screen and roll. And that's what we talk about, these, these Warriors role players stepping up. And we got to look back because they've changed each year. Like the Warriors really have not had the same supporting cast from 2015 till now, but every year they've been instrumental in the run. So like, let's let's just quickly take a look at the Warriors role players from 2015 till now. Like, do we remember names like Leandro Barbosa?
2: Big, he was big. A-
0: and David Lee yep. and Sean Lemmingston when he first got to the team. I mean, Leandro Barbosa um, had a lot of playoff experience. Before that, um and he had a positive plus-minus in five of the six finals games that he played. Like I remember Landry Barrosa hitting big shots in the 2016 finals, and he would go absent until he was needed to hit those well, shots.
2: In that 2015 year, I mean, you got to think about who they're going up against as well. A very thin Cavs team without uh, Irving and Love, and then you look at the bench guys, and that's really, like you said, that's where they applied the most pressure. I remember Sean Livingston... Uh, I mean, he gave 20 minutes a game, but those minutes, he was just dominating. I would mm-hmm. love to see the plus-minus numbers on that. He was dominating, getting to his spot, hitting pull-up, that little elbow jumper. Yeah. Like, it didn't matter if five people were standing there, he well, was going to hit. It.
0: And, the, and the 2015 finals, I mean, they were trying to stick you know, players you know, off the bench that really just could not guard Sean Livingston. And it was like the resurrection of his career. It was the first time he had played... Huge, huge minutes and a big, meaningful game really since his knee injury and a couple of playoff games with the Nets. But it was the first time he hit back in that kind of a magnitude of a game since his knee injury, and he was doing great things. And then we go to the 2016 Warriors players, the role players, the the year that they won. They Blew a 3-1 lead. And then we have David Lee again. And then you get into players like Maurice Spates. Who oh had a... Like, do you remember Moe Spates terrorizing I remember people? two
2: things. Okay. Well, I remember... You know let me, let me say that. Three things. I remember Mo Spates hitting an absurd amount of threes for yeah. Mo Spates. Yeah. I remember the uh, ghastly mole or whatever that thing is on Maurice Spates' head. And then I remember Maurice Spates blowing a wide open dunk. Like, I, it was right before time break the timeout. Right. So, they played it again and again and again. And he... It just misses uh, I mean there was no one on that side of the court uh former sixer most states and
0: went on to the clippers after that look he brought he, the energy he brought off the bench you know spoke for itself it's the reason why he was so good I mean per 36 minutes he was averaging 22.2 and 10.3 uh rebounds and then shooting close to 40 percent from the three-point line which if you want to be a bench player on the Warriors that's pretty much all you're required
2: especially as a big I mean that, that, that is great contribution. Mm-hmm.
1: So, guys, all in all, obviously, the Warriors have transitions from that 2015 team to that 2018 team to a veteran team for sure, and they have what the Raptors don't, which is that continuity between Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Igudala. It allows them to kind of read each other a little better on the floor and know exactly where each is going to be on the floor. But somebody who has stuck with the Warriors throughout that um, evolution is KD, and you know what? Um, even in this 2000 his 2018 finals run that game 3 what you were talking about difference here That playoff career high of 43 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. Yeah, I mean, he's gradually... It's tough to say because he's not playing this Mm -hmm. series, right? But, I mean, Game 4, it was his first playoff career triple-double last year. Like, things like that, he's just gradually, like... And and it's, again, with the Achilles, he's going to take a...
2: Yeah, it's unfortunate. But speaking of someone who's stuck with the team, and you speak about last year specifically, Andre Iguodala. Like, he seems like he's been old... For like five, <laughs> six years. Like all right Iggy. Don't it's, do Iggy like it's, that. it's no I love don't Iggy, don't but it's like, like Well you you usually around this time is when you start declining, especially a guy like Andre Gadala who banks so much on his athleticism and so yeah. much on his timeliness. You miss a half second and you're suddenly unplayable
1: i feel like Igudala and draymond you, you, you kind of see them they don't want to shoot the ball but like they will if that makes sense like it isn't their gut initial reaction yeah, that's but, sure. they, but they will if they're left open they're gonna right, shoot it. and exactly. that's
0: that's what the warriors preach if you're left open shoot the ball like don't yeah. don't hold it you're, you're open. you'll mess up the offense yeah though. shoot it and like Igudala from 2015 to 2018 like barely declined and then 2018 happened, 2019 happened, and he had the injuries plague him, and then that's when you saw his three-point shot plummet. Went from 36% to 28%, um, and so he had to find other ways to be really useful in their offense, um, yeah. and he found that.
2: Nick Nick Young was also good. What, not really. Not necessarily like that pivotal, but just I found it hilarious that Swaggy P right. was on a championship roster. And a big player
0: know. on a championship roster. Yeah. Before we move, we got to talk about now the 2019 Warriors role players, and that's Quinn Cook being a decent shooter off the bench. Kavon Looney being a very useful bench player and sometimes a starter, providing them the great offensive rebounding and great uh, play in the post. And then even like, you know, sometimes you have Jordan Bell and Jarebko who really seem to be like unplayable players, but then there are spot moments where Jordan Bell gives you some production.
2: And I like Jordan. I'm actually a little surprised. um, Guys like Jordan Bell, like you even look at the Rockets with uh, Fareed who I liked Kenneth Farid this entire regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a rebounding four. High energy, yeah. High en- and those guys have, like, no place out on the court. If you can't shoot, you're not going to get any playing now, time. I mean,
0: as a ro- as a Rockets fan, it, it kind of really surprised me that Kenneth Farid was getting zero tick uh, in that Warriors series. I didn't like it, thought they could have used them. Um, but you're right. You can't shoot the ball. If you can't stretch the defense, make the defense move, and you're not seven feet tall under the basket yep. and, a, and a huge time shot blocker. You really got no place.
1: Yeah, I mean, even Andrew Boga, uh, well, I'm not saying he's the best player by any means, but he does know what to do, and it comes back to the flow and progression throughout the years with his teammates. Yeah.
2: So before we move on to the MLB guys, just really quick, Kevin Durant, James, you mentioned that he's pretty close to your worst enemy, and it's you know well-documented, you mm-hmm. don't like him. Does him getting injured change his narrative in the in the in the mass media does it change his narrative at all for you
0: no it doesn't change. look do i feel bad for kevin durant yes do i wish he had an injury no i'm not a terrible person but that doesn't undo the fact that he joined a 73 win team as an mvp a team who he had up 3-1 in the conference finals um only to take the easy way out in my opinion to go chase championship rings like we, we talked about this, Jake, and really the only reason or the only way Kevin Durant really righted that wrong and got a ring that didn't have an asterisk next to it in the history books was to come back in this series and bring his team back from a 3-1 deficit and win the finals. He didn't do that because of a crazy injury, and I'm not going to say he deserved it, like no one deserves that injury. But I'm also not going to sit here and absolve all blame from him from joining that Warriors team. No, it does not change any Kevin Durant narrative. I will still sit my kids down in 20 years and talk about the cowardly decision that it was to join the Warriors team. Maybe basketball gods took over. Maybe karma took over. I don't necessarily
2: disagree with you, but I I think that it will change a little bit in the sense that People will be rooting for him. I, I have a feeling people are going to be rooting for him. More
1: people back. than not before, especially yeah. jumping back to...
2: 100%. Uh, yeah.
1: I will I will root for him to have
0: a speedy and healthy recovery. I will never root for him on to the baseball court. Okay, that's fair. That's probably where I have to leave yeah. it right there.
1: All right, guys, we're going to transition over to the MLB now. Dallas Keuchel agrees to a one-year $13 million deal with the Braves and Craig Kimbrell, for three years, a $43 million deal with the Cubs. Uh, Mm. The
0: Keuchel one hurts for me the most because not only do the Phillies miss out on getting Dallas Keuchel, but now they got to watch him play for the division rival and someone who's right behind them in the division standings and the Braves, and the Braves, like, really needed that depth in their starting rotation.
2: Yeah, uh, well... And to be honest, like like you said, it hurts you as a Phillies fan. Like you're really talking about stupid money, and are not going to spend 13 million on a guy who could shore up your rotation. Arietta has right. not been solid this year by any means, enola either. Right. So you bring in a guy like Keuchel now. Instead, he's on your rival. He's on the person who's no. Well, they're no longer chasing the Phillies. They're ahead of the Phillies, or tied, or so depending. Back here. Right. Depending on how things shake out tonight. I mean, you know, it's always changing in baseball, but. The Braves are going to be right up against the Phillies battling for the NL East, and now they bolster their rotation. Um, And after Julio they their fourth and fifth starters on the Braves uh, in a combined 22 starts have an ERA above six. Kaiku comes in and immediately gives them that stability that they need
0: and because they're not missing run support run support for the Braves is not one thing that they're they're missing I mean um when you have Ronald Acuna, Alzi Albies and then you have Josh Donaldson doing his thing Freddie Freeman who was an MVP candidate last year it really was their pitching rotation and and they got it and they still had um you know even if Teron you know panned out to be what he's supposed to be they have one of the best starting pitching rotations now, and it's still kind of early. Like, it's still the beginning of June. We have pretty much half a baseball season to go, and that really, like, that really makes me very scared as an NL East foe that the Braves can really get something going. And on the other end of the rotation for the Cubs, now you have someone who pretty much sews up really all that the Cubs were missing, and that was a surefire closer with Craig Kimbrell.
2: Yeah, and their they're closer before that, Pedro Strop, has an ERA of 4.85. Not exactly great. right? When you're pitching one inning at a time, mm-hmm. not exactly great. But you're right, it does st- uh, fix that up. And really, another angle to look at this from is that these are guys who are going to have way less tread on their tires come – Late in the season, yeah. I mean, Keuchel's already missed however many games, and he's probably not going to be back onto the field until they get up into game. But same with Kimbrel until they get up to game speed. So yeah,
0: and then, and Kimbrell gets the pitch in a nice park, gets the pitch right. in Wrigley, doesn't have to worry about being in a, a crazy hitters park. Um, and that's it. Just th- those were two guys that I really could not believe were waited this long to sign and our statistician stat Matt hit on this right before we went on the air is the players are really going to strike gold with this next CBA because the fact that two players of this magnitude and were this good couldn't get signed until June says that something needs to be changed. Yep. It just You just can't allow that to continue. They needed to be on rosters and they were. Uh, Kimbrell last season with the Red Sox had an ERA of 274 which if you're thinking of Craig Kimbrel, you might be thinking that it might be a little high. You have to remember he had Uber run support with the Red Sox, but I mean it's just.
2: Uh, that, you're that, also in the AL, so you're facing more hitting. complete lineups. Yeah. Right,
0: that's just a bona That's a bonafide uh, closer right there. Um, the Cubs have also lost six games this year when they're leading going into the eighth inning. Uh, Again, Craig Kimbrell just fixes all, all those immediate problems that the Cubs had in the season. Craig Kimbrell just immediately fixes right on that signing. And I think that's probably the best team or the team who may have needed that closer the most. Yeah. Is is the cups
1: a thousand percent, guys? We're gonna uh, switch it over to the women's World Cup mm-hmm. now, nice. which I'm very excited to talk to uh, talk about. Right. Um, obviously, the U S. is coming in as the odds and the favorites to win. Right. Uh, the U S. mentality is to shoot early and shoot often. Obviously, they showed up uh, yesterday for their game, finishing a total of 13-0. I was at my aunt's watching the game. I stopped watching at 8 and I drove home, and it was fi- uh, 13 by the time I was home. They, right. they did a phenomenal job. Uh, Thailand, to me, starting off, looked very scattered right? Especially on defense. Mm -hmm. Their communication was not there whatsoever. They were like running into each other left and right. They didn't look clean at all. What do you guys think? Well,
0: the U.S.'s attack, when you said Thailand didn't look clean, that's all the U.S.'s attack did was look clean. They were hitting on all cylinders, especially their touches in the midfield. Like being able to carve up that Thailand defense right there, not letting them rest. It's a high, it's like a high octane attack that the U.S. women's have. And when you have strikers like, uh, Alex Morgan at the top and midfielders like Carly Lloyd you're very easily able to do that
2: yeah and you know I'm not like the biggest soccer aficionado of all time but this is just a a classic case of one team just outclassing another I mean the U.S. comes in as two to one favorites to win the entire thing France right behind them uh seven and two odds so Clearly, the better team was. I mean, clearly, the better team was the, I mean, clearly, the, team was the U.S. Um, and it's good to see him get back into the swing of things.
0: Yeah, Jewel, let me ask you this: since you watched that game with probably the closest eye on this set, who were the biggest players that stuck out to you? Besides, obviously, the goal scorers. Tell me some people who were on the field that maybe didn't make the box score that aided the U.S. Uh, win. To
1: me, somebody who really sticks out to me, who's influential to me, is Kelly O'Hara. She is mm-hmm. their now defender. Uh, Kelly O'Hara, growing up was uh an offender right she was a striker she was a forward um growing up personally i was a striker i was a forward and then come high school time i shifted back into the stopper position which if people know on a diamond defense is the top um throughout the years it is such a valuable and instrumental trait to possess as a quality defender to be able to chip the ball and continuously in the box like kelly o'hara has been doing and obviously did in this game to assist on a couple plays. Um, and she does it ever so gracefully over the course of her time on the team. And this is her third World Cup. Um, she started her career as the attacking player and has transitioned beautifully. And um, I, I can relate. Like yeah. that, that it's, it's, It definitely opens your view of the field being back that way. And you can navigate who to, to pass it to better right
0: you can I'm, that's why I think the U.S. were so good on counterattacks they didn't have too many counterattack options against Thailand but when they get into games and they have Sweden in the group when they get into games against Sweden then they get to the knockout stage those counterattacks are going to be big if you right. let up opportunities and shots that them on your own end and they don't go in having someone like Kelly O'Hare on the defensive end who was a striker can really get that that break started
1: because she's, she's, she's seen both sides of She knows yeah.
0: exactly who should I get this ball to now to aid on the break, and then it's an all-out attack from the U.S. Exactly. Like when I was watching the game yesterday, I'm seeing when the U.S. is in Thailand's territory operating with the ball, their defenders are almost in front of the midfield strike. They're like they're in attacking territory, like ready to aid, and then they're still able to get back on defense, not letting anybody behind them. I mean, it's an offside, but not letting anybody or the ball get behind them at any point, but their their defense is... is one of the best, um one of the best in the world. I mean they're just a complete Defense team. Defense
1: wins games. I,
0: I really don't see a team right now, like like Jake said, I'm not the craziest soccer aficionado either. But you know, I, I really don't see a team beating beating the, the US women's no, team. No, they're murdering it right. right now. Yeah. I mean let's, and let's look, 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 these women deserve equal pay. I'm gonna say it. Yeah. They they really do This is
1: opening a can of worms, I'll be honest. Look, here, here, here's I could go awful <laughs> here's here's
0: I'll keep it civil. Here's what I'll say on the subject. Um, the men, the men earn more money right now because they bring in more money. It's it's really based. And come on, we're America. We we know that the America runs on dollars and runs on revenue. Um, so then, guess who it's up to? It's up to the viewers then right. to really shift that. If if this the,
1: is a style of shift that needs to happen. You know what I mean? Happen, if right.
0: if If the U.S. Women's World Cup, especially from the U.S. side, gets as much attention, as much coverage as the men's did, we will start to see that shift. They'll start to bring in more dollars. So I think that that's what we got to point to. we got to look ourselves in the eye and say, if we truly think these women deserve as much as the men get paid, let's watch them as much as we watch the men. And
2: also, uh, Ballon your winner, Ada Hedberg, Hedberg, uh, is boycotting the World Cup because of the lack of equal pay. Mm -hmm. So... It's good to see people take a stand and and you're right. I mean, it's it, it's something that is definitely a progress is right, it is. Is, is definitely time for.
0: I it. just like to see everybody woke and and realizing that no one's really naive to the fact that there's a huge right. gap and it needs to be closed. Yeah.
2: And before we move on to speaking facts, just want to let you guys know that we are going to be introducing a mailbag segment. The name is still up in the air, but mm-hmm. essentially if you guys have anything that you think that we missed, that you think that we should touch on, send us a 24 second, just same as a shot clock. You got a shot clock. Send us audio or video of you with your hottest hot take, and we'll respond to it on the show if it's good. Um, and that'll be being implemented either next week or the week after.
0: Yeah, all you gotta do is send it to our DMs. Everyone knows what our Twitter, and Instagram is at Straight Facts Pod. That's S-T-R, the number eight facts. Underscore Pod, you put that in the DMS, and like Jake said, it could be a question, comment, concern, anything about sports, or if you want to talk about pop culture too, it's your sound off, it's your segment, and you're talking to us, and it's a great chance to be featured on the show.
2: Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and don't forget, also, guys, we do have a giveaway with Veda Studios. You can find her work on Instagram at V E T A Veda Studios it does custom kicks. Speaking of the World Cup. A lot of fresh kicks out there. You can get your own pair of customized free kicks with our giveaway that we are doing. All you have to do, you have to go to our social media, as James said, at Straight Facts, S-T-R-8 Facts underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter. Go to the post that will be designated for the giveaway. You'll see it. And all you have to do is like, follow, and comment your shoe size and what your favorite sports teams is. That's it. And you'll be entered to win.
0: It's pretty easy. I hope and like look, look. If nobody does it, then I'm taking pair, taking home a fresh pair of kicks. That's yep. all that it
1: is. They're, they're fresh as hell for mm-hmm. sure. All right, guys, speak some facts to me. DeMarcus Cousins said, commenting on KD season, "Athletes are only idolized as star players, not human beings. So when we do human type things, we're seen as." Bad guys. Is he speaking facts?
0: Yeah, he's speaking facts too a little bit. I think, and I think it's only recent that players have been speaking up to that. But as, as old as sports are, um, these guys have been seen as you know players and not humans. What they can do on the field, not really what they do off the field. Um, and I think DeMarcus Cousins is just, and it's coming after KD got cheered by the Raptors fans after he tore his Achilles, but that's really what he's speaking to, but I mean, I'll also say this, when you make millions upon millions of dollars in one calendar year, are you a human? Yes. Are you a regular person in society? No, now you're a public person. No, now you're, you're, uh, and you gotta, you gotta realize that it comes with the territory a little bit.
2: Uh, Well, and I'll also, like, first off, I agree with DeMarcus, right? Right. I think that people do kind of really uh, amplify everything that an athlete does uh, to that point. Uh, Kings broadcaster Grant Napier went off, I don't know if you guys saw this on social media, just ripping DeMarcus Cousins and DeMarcus Cousins with the Kings, there's a lot of bridges that he's burnt, a lot of things that he did, but essentially Grant was saying that DeMarcus Cousins should be the last person talking about how you treat other people because in his time at the Kings he would curse out other fans he would curse out people at the airport he would curse out anyone that he felt like it so really maybe the message is okay and I think the uh, Napier did agree with the message but DeMarcus Cousins is the wrong one delivering it, and I do agree with that.
0: I mean, but has he grown a little bit? Because we haven't heard any of these outcries happen from the Pelicans organization. And then when Boogie went down with that Achilles injury when he was on the Pelicans, I mean, Anthony Davis wore his jersey in
2: the All-Star Things change when you win games.
1: Yeah, uh, the games the Pelicans winning.
2: (laughs) Well, they made the playoffs. I mean, that was
1: him. All right, guys, Malcolm Jenkins said, I believe I've outplayed my contract. Is he speaking facts? Go ahead and talk to me, Jake. (sighs) <sighs>
2: yes, he probably has outplayed his contract No, I don't think that he deserves a new one You sign your Whoa. contract I mean, look, you sign your contract And that's not to say I don't think the Eagles will give him a new one The Eagles are the type of organization that take ca- takes care of their players But like, look, you made that deal You signed on the dotted line Knowing that there's a chance that you do perform better than that number That's what the negotiation is about is getting yourself the best number, and he's like, "Look, I don't expect to be the top paid guy, but I at least want to be paid within the." R-. He's right now like the ninth best paid safety. Mm-hmm. He should probably be up near top, five, top five. But guess what, man? If you want to go and make a new deal, then have your contract end after two years, and then you'll be in free agency, and
0: you'll get that top money. But okay, like you're 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 saying that players sign a dotted line, saying like, oh, and almost you got to have the the understanding that you may outplay that contract. True. But I also have the understanding that if I outplay that contract, I should be able to go to, to my team and say, "Hey, what you're valuing me at right now, I'm better than that." And you, so have, not, and you have the ability to pay me at that value. Well, then you so should bake into the value.
2: contract incentives for performance, and which is done quite often Look, in the NFL. Yes
0: or no? He was the only Eagle on defense I year to play every defensive snap. Yes.
2: Something yeah. Like oh that. no 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 no. Let's, the not, of your let's not question his importance to this team. He's probably the leader of the – if I had to pick an, a leader for the entire team, I'd go with him over Carson Wentz just because of the time that Wentz has missed. Mm-hmm. That, that's a totally different conversation than saying what your contracted value is. I get – I like that players have more of a say in this day and age, but, like, what leverage does he really have? I mean, uh, he's already 30-something, and if you want to sit out another year and get a year older, like, maybe it's okay when Le'Veon or Kawhi does that. They're young.
0: Malcolm's not sitting out a year. I think you're overlooking what Malcolm Jenkins does off the field as well. His leadership in the, in the locker room, in the clubhouse. Also, the way he takes care of the Philly area. And you know from personal mm-hmm. experience that Malcolm Jenkins does a whole lot for the Philadelphia area. You mm-hmm. want somebody like that around. And not only around, you want somebody like that happy and performing for your team. Fair I think enough. he deserves it.
1: For sure. Uh, Max Muncy said in response to Madison Bumgarner, Hey, he yelled at me. And said, "Don't watch the ball. You run." And I just said, "If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go fish out of the ocean." <laughs> this is after Max. Is he speaking fast? I mean, Come uh, on, Max, like... Max
0: Muncie in the first inning against Madison Bumgarner put one that not many people have put one, and that's in the Pacific Ocean at at t <laughs> Park. Um, Madison Bumgarner took offense to it. Look, I'm on Max Muncie side. Um, look, if, if right, if you don't want. To me, to to look at my home run ball, don't leave something out over the plate that I can right. crush for 470 feet.
2: Also, I find it hilarious. Like it's a case of like when you get into an argument and then you're in the shower the next day and you think of like what you should have said. Right. If you look at the exchange, there's no, no way, way Max Muncy yeah. said that. Like he definitely thought <laughs> of that while he was showering up, getting ready for the reporter. It's uh. Like, oh, I'm gonna get him. Yeah, that's how I'm, I'm, gonna, say it. I'm <laughs> gonna get him. Get him.
0: Right. Or saying it to his teammates. Right. right. There was a quick back and forth exchange, but I agree with him, man. Like, and Bumgarner has been kind of one of those whiny crybaby kind of players. Yeah. Where where when he's really good, he's good, but when he's bad, he's got stuff to complain about. Don't look at Max Muncy, look at yourself. That doesn't happen if
1: you don't throw a bad pitch. Mm -hmm. All right guys, so Jill Ellis, who is the US women's soccer coach Mm. said, to be respectful to opponents, it is to play hard against the opponents. Mm. I don't find it my job to harness my players and rein them in because this is what they dreamt about. This is it for them. This is a world championship. Is she speaking facts? Yeah. Yes. Hell right. yes. She's what are you talking about? Yeah. Like,
2: that's... Thailand apparently was like, some of the players were crying about it. Like, I don't even know how you get upset about that. Like, you know. Yeah,
0: you see that coming decent, to my lawyer.
2: right? You, <laughs> you're playing knowing, okay, it's about 8 nothing right now. This game's right. over.
0: And, yeah. you, and you made a good point off camera is that when it comes down to, like, say the U.S. were to drop a game and now it comes down to a tiebreaker in the group stage, the tiebreaker is goal differential. Uh, I don't think any. I don't think any team is really close to a goal differential with the U.S. right now. Like we're not yeah. in the minors. Not, not we're not in high group,
1: no. school. They can do whatever they want. They're and, in the World Cup. Like, They'll me you don't, don't run up the score. What are and, you gonna get? Like, and this is a, a competition
0: a tournament that only happens one every four years. It's exactly. not like this happens every year. For some players on some teams, this is the only chance they will get to play on a stage like this on the world's biggest stage. Yep. Take advantage of it. Put keep foot on the gas pedal. And I think I agree with Jill Ellis that it's a little disrespectful to kind of baby some teams and give them a mercy rule. Right, it's a World Cup. No. Like, come on. We, we, are, we are the best players in the world, world ca- world-class athletes. A thousand
1: percent. Guys, mm-hmm. we're heading to the countdown now. Number five. Number five, staying in theme, is the number of goals
0: Alex Morgan scored uh, in the World Cup opener against Thailand. Look, she was firing on all cylinders. I believe had a tra- hat trick in the second half alone. Um, and I'm just really happy for Alex Morgan. It was someone who had a real injury plague last season with her club and even with the with the U.S., and to see her back and kind of taking the torch uh, from Abby Wambach and Colleen Lord and being the, the epicenter of this women's team is really cool to watch. Yeah,
2: she's going to be the face of the women's team probably for this World Cup next one, maybe even one after that. So, yeah, right. it's good to, good to see. Number four. Number of home runs Scott Kingery has hit for the Phillies in the last seven games.
0: Dingery, dingery.
2: Yeah, he also had a triple <laughs> in there as well. And, you know, I really think you go back to when the Phillies traded J.P. Crawford. They easily could have moved uh, Kingery as well, and they didn't. And now with Odubo Herrera out, you ha- now have another spot where you can slot Kingery in. And obviously, we've seen these last couple of games, he's on fire.
0: I mean, in his three years with the Phillies, I've seen the man at second, short, third,
2: Versatile. Center. Very versatile.
0: Oh, I mean, they say true <laughs> baseball players can play anywhere, and Scott Kingery is a true baseball player. The Phillies yeah. looking to have him. Yep, number three. Number three is the number of final M- finals MVPs right now in this series between the Warriors and the Raptors. And at the end, it will stay three because I believe, I don't see the way that Toronto loses both of these games if they pull one of them out. And if they do, obviously Kawhi will be MVP because the only other person that could really go for MVP right now is if the Warriors win it and is if Steph gets it. Maybe I'm thinking optimistically and hoping that Steph doesn't get another finals MVP. Well, it's an, an uphill a, battle for him to win it. but. right.
2: It's just crazy that he's never won one. Like, I mean, I guess it makes sense with Durant, but like Igadala winning over him, he's too great of a player not to have one. And like you said, I I would have to agree, I don't think he's going to get one this year. Number two Number of songs Tony Parker was featured on by French rapper Booba. That's more uh, than
0: any other player in NBA history.
2: Yeah, man, big fan of the booster. What
0: the hell kinda name is that? Um, like, come on. It's probably better it, in French than God, it is God, in I can't name one of the of two here. song.
2: I can't name either song. But what I will say is that I think Tony Parker, one of the most underrated players on that Spurs team, and is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer.
0: Um he- Easily, and I don't, I don't really know if anybody questions that. I did hear some clamoring, and people say he might not make it first ballot. But no, Tony Parker was as instrumental on on those Spurs teams as anybody out there. And you know, from a, you know a point guard aficionado, that that Tony Parker is one of the best in NBA mm-hmm.
1: history. Bring it down to number one. Number
0: one is for the first perfect game thrown on this date in MLB history in 1880. By John Lee Richmond, mm. uh, 1880. Can you mm. fathom that for a I, second? It, it, that baseball has been around for that long. And that's why they that's call insane. it
2: America's pastime. It is nuts that they have accurate records back to the 1880s. Oh my god! Yeah, right.
0: It, he was it, throwing it,
2: gas, man. He was throwing 65. Uh, yeah, I yeah, they,
0: they had to be throwing topping at like 75 miles an hour. <laughs> if you would pluck one of those players from back then and put them in now, they, stick Chapman
2: back in there. Oh, and and,
0: and and or <laughs> put someone up now and try to have them hit a wayne right like 12 six curveball they're screwing themselves into the dirt um but that's all the time we have for this episode we go to add the buzzer julie have anything to say at the buzzer
1: i do you know i'm all about my props i uh i saved this lovely uh let's zoom in on this this lovely uh starbucks Starbucks cup Uh i got today so i took my um i'd say once every two month trip to starbucks today i'm not a huge fan of starbucks i'm more of a actually i'm a fan of wawa coffee you know Mm -hmm. uh, maybe i I even like mcdonald's coffee uh all right, back up, whole, we'll, shut down. Okay. Anyway, uh, so I got this here cup. I was in line. I got a nice uh, mango dragon fruit. I didn't even know what the hell this thing was. I kind of just ordered Sounds it because it looked pretty. Yeah. But the point of that was I got to the uh, checkout line, and I, they asked me for my name. I go, Jewel, Jewel like a gem, like a diamond. How would you proceed to spell that if I told you that? I, I don't really know
0: any other way to spell Jewel. Right.
1: oh yeah.
2: Maybe they and thought that was just, like, your, like,
1: mantra. Jewel Like a Mule mantra. was how it's spelled, J-U-L. <laughs> jewel Like a Mule. I don't Not Jewel Like a j- Diamond. Jewel Like a Gem Like a Diamond. Oh, man. Jewel Like a Mule. They
2: did it to so you. I was to...
1: finding it a little offensive So what, what you going to say to Starbucks, then? What are you to uh, say to Starbucks? Figure it out. Mm. Um, also, figure, this was, like, 432. And then, it, don't get me wrong, this was completely... A th- phenomenal marking on your part. Uh, consumer behavior was my favorite subject in college, but I, I fell for it because of the pretty colors. So th- that's a thousand percent my fault. That being said, uh, learn how to spell.
2: Boom. Uh,
0: that's Jules Buzzer. Uh, Maya at the Buzzer will just be looking forward to next week. Next week is a big show. Oh, yeah, right. facts, we have our man's Dave Spadaro coming on Eagles beat and Eagles Insider going to be dropping some great knowledge on Eagles training camp, the new Carson Wentz deal, the addition of Malik Jackson and Deshaun Jackson. We got a lot to talk about with these hometown Eagles, so I'm very excited Looking forward to having games Podar on. It's going to be a great episode, so make sure you guys are here because he's going to be dropping some facts
2: yep, for sure. Should be fun. Uh, what I will say is Josh Bachman, my man Jay Bach, from my fraternity Sigma Alpha Mu at Temple, has You're been getting has been getting on us about not talking about the NHL, the uh, Stanley Cup Finals, not talking about the NHL at all. Here's my comprehensive breakdown of what I know about hockey. Talk to him. Uh, and we got Game Seven coming up. Yep. All right, so if I know hockey, I watched it when the Flyers were good. Dano Chara played against the Flyers. He's hey. big and tall. That is pretty menacing. Yeah. Brad Marchand, another player who's still in Boston. From what I remember, he's a dickhead. Yep. So that nice. can be good in hockey. Yeah. Uh, on the Blues side, uh, we have Craig Berube, who, former Flyer, former Flyer coach, took over the team when they were really bad this year and turned them around. Um, I'm going to say that... St. Louis wins. Uh, You can book that. Screw Boston. The curse continues. Losing Super Bowl 51. They're losing the Stanley Cup. And there you have it, Josh. I hope you were happy. My comprehensive <laughs> breakdown of the NHL. I
0: really hope you enjoyed that, Josh, because it's probably the last time you will hear NHL talk on this podcast. Yeah. But that's all the time we have for this episode today. Big ups to Greg Barron, Kyle Sobieski, and StatBat Robinson behind the camera for my partner, Joel Schmidt. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. For my main man's Jake Galley, I'm James Jackson, and these have been the facts.
2: Straight up.